welcome back to another episode for the book I need answers I hope you guys are following along we have a lot of things to cover so let's get right into it of course you guys know what time it is let's start this podcast with prayer so God can bless today's service in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Holy, holy, holy is your name, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing us this time, this hour, so that we can glorify your name, God. We ask that you bless all the people listening to this podcast, bless their day, bless their family, and all of their loved ones. And Holy Father, I ask you to give me the ability to speak. Use me as a vessel, God. Accept my services that I have for a bond to you. Through the intercession of the Most Holy Theotokos and all of the saints, for blessed are you unto ages of ages. Amen. All right. Hopefully you guys have been following along. Uh, today we're going to be talking about one of those things that is very common into the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church. And of course, that's fasting. Many people have questions about fasting as they should. As common as it is, people, I'm afraid, really don't understand what it is. And I think part of the problem is because we have, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, advertised it in the wrong manner. Mainly, we've told people that fasting is enjoyable and fun. If there are parents listening to this podcast, if there are Sunday school teachers listening to this podcast, listen carefully. We shouldn't be telling kids that it's enjoyable and fun because actually fasting is meant to weaken the body and strengthen the spiritual soul. One of the best sermons that I've heard about fasting comes from Father Anthony, who is a, a priest in the Coptic Church here in D.C. And it, one day he was preaching, giving this sermon, and he did something that I didn't know priests could do, and that was complain about fasting. And I was like, wait a minute, priests can complain about fasting? Because I think it was like, I don't know, fast of the apostles or something like that. And he was saying like, oh no, another fasting is coming. Oh man, and all this stuff. And then he went on to say, but we need to fast it. And I thought that was extremely effective because he recognized that fasting in itself is not something enjoyable, at least when it comes to the body. And that is something that we must acknowledge. I think the problem is... If, uh, we've we're struggling with fasting especially once we grow up is because when we're young we're told that fasting is enjoyable and we're like okay that's amazing and we try it out we're like uh uh no somebody lied to me because it's not and we're tired and like we're hungry and and we're exhausted so this goes against everything that we've learned about and when we try it out that's why we don't have fun but again fasting is not meant to be fun it's meant to weaken your flesh in fact that's exactly what saint paul talks about in the book of ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 it says for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh these two the flesh and the soul are at war with one another. This is the centerpiece of the theology behind the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church and its reason for decreeing fasting. Fasting is a, a mechanism that weakens the flesh. Ergo, your flesh is not enjoying it at the time when its purpose is to weaken it. So when people say, but fasting, oh, I get so tired, you should tell them that's the point. That's the point, and it works. That's what's amazing about fasting is, especially young people. Listen up, listen up. If you're struggling with sexual temptations and all that stuff, 
I'm telling you, fasting is your best friend. It helps you out. It gets rid of these temptations and strengthens your spiritual life. True story. True story. I remember a few years back, I was teaching about the need uh, to stay pure. Um, and that, you know, fornication uh, is wrong and, and, and we need to wait until marriage and all that stuff. And one of my Sunday school students, he was struggling with this concept. He was struggling. So he comes up to me and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. do I really have to wait until marriage? And I'm like, yes. Like, but really, I have to wait until marriage? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you really do. And then he was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And I said, you know what? Try fasting. Try fasting. I'll just talk about it later on. About a month or two later, I went out to him and I said, hey, how's that little problem that we've talked about? How's it going for you? He said, hey, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I went to the mall. And there were all these, like, beautiful women and all this stuff. But, like, I didn't even want to do anything with them because I was so hungry. So I went home and I ended up sleeping. And and it goes to show that it's effective when fasting is done properly. It's effective. And whether you think it's sad or not, the, 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 the case remains that when we are fasting, even if we have the desire in us to do something, we just won't be able to act on it because our flesh is weakened. That's the purpose of fasting. Uh, we find this in the Bible as an example. And I talk about it in the book for uh, King David. And everybody knows about King David's issue with the ladies. When it came to, to the ladies, he had a problem. But in First Kings, we find him as an old man in his deathbed. His flesh was weakened. And it says, First uh, Kings chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, that they found a beautiful woman for him to take care of him. Now, I'll leave it up to your imagination to figure out what take care of him means. Um, and that was a tradition back then. It was a different, different time back then. And, and so here's a beautiful woman who comes to his room and she's there to take care of him. But the Bible tells us, and I quote, but the king had no sexual relations with her. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, are you telling me that a man could be in a room with a beautiful woman and not do anything with her? What kind of man would do this? I'll tell you what kind of man. It's a man whose flesh is weak. And that's the purpose of fasting. Fasting is your best friend to get rid of all these temptations that get us distracted in our spiritual life. That gets us away from uh, our journey to finding God. Fasting is your best friend. So... To begin with, where did the idea of fasting originate from? Where did it come from? When we read the Bible, we find that the fasting idea comes from the book of Genesis. And actually, uh, when Adam and Eve were told, do not eat the forbidden fruit, that in itself was a form of fasting. That was the first fasting that was decreed to mankind. Now, the word fasting in Ethiopic comes from the word soma, soma, which means to be forbidden or in Amharic, mekalakal. To be forbidden. It teaches mankind the importance of self-control. We have a problem as a society. Like, we want more and more and more and more and more. And if we don't put a system in place to prevent us from just taking in and indulging in all of our desires, we become out of control. And, 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 and people recognize this problem. And this is why we have things like uh, diets right? Um, it's because, oh no, I gained too much weight because I ate uh, more than I should have. And then we 
forbid ourselves from eating junk food. That is a form of fasting. It's different in style when it comes to the church, and I'll talk about that in a second, but it's still a, a, a form of it. In fact, uh, now in present society, fasting or a form of it is more of a fashion, like becoming vegan, a healthy life is, uh, diet, and it's being advertised left, oh, you need to you need to be vegan, and you feel a lot better, and all this stuff, and I find that fascinating, I find that surprising, here's why, uh, about 10, 15 years ago, I remember when I used to fast, people used to make fun of me, and of course, you know, oh my gosh, you're not, you're fasting, staying away from meat, and milk, and all, oh, the church is backward, oh, the church is outdated, oh, oh, oh this and that, but, uh, now, fast forward, uh, everybody's in the whole like fasting thing. And it goes to show you that the church is the one who who first introduced the idea of, of being restricted from things because our body naturally gravitates t- towards things that pleases it. And if we don't restrict it, it can get out of control. It can become out of control. So this is why we fast. This is why we fast. Of course, again, the world's form of fasting is the secular form of fasting is different from the the, the fasting that we see in the church. But even the world sees a need to restrict itself when it comes to uh, things that we enjoy. Just because you enjoy it doesn't mean you can have unlimited amount. No, no, no. You need to limit certain things because after a while, they can become harmful rather than benefit you. Now, when it comes to the secular form of fasting, uh, it, it, it benefits your flesh only. It benefits your flesh only. But the fasting that's presented to us from the church benefits both your flesh and your soul. And the form of that that we see is, of course, in the book of Jonah, when Jonah is sent to the city of Nineveh, and he announces to the city, fast and pray because your city is about to be destroyed by God for the sins that you have committed. And of course, the king comes out, he decrees a fast, and the people fast and pray for three days. And because they're united in prayer, united in fasting, that city that was to be destroyed is saved and spared. So here we see the benefit of fasting, not only for the flesh, but also for the soul. The form of fasting that the church teaches benefits these both worlds. The other way that the church form of fasting is different from the secular fasting is because the church teaches us that during fasting period, we abstain or restrict ourselves from things that are permissible, that are allowed. I hear oftentimes people talking about fasting and saying things like, you know what? Uh, during Abiyusom, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna smoke. Or uh, during fasting, I, I, I'm not gonna get drunk. Or during fasting time, I'm not gonna curse. I'm gonna stop cursing. Well, here is the thing: not smoking, not getting drunk, not the cursing, and all these things make you a good Christian. It doesn't make you a participant in fasting. If you want to participate in fasting, then you must be able to restrict yourselves out of the things that are allowed or permissible. For example, in the uh, realm of food, we abstain from things like chicken as much as we love chicken. We stay away from it. Now, chicken in itself is not a sin. We can eat chicken, but we restrict ourselves because, again, there's a need to uh, restrict our bodies of the things so that we don't get out of control. 
Now that's just for the realm of food. But the same thing is true for our eyes. For example, uh, watching TV is not a sin. We could watch as long as what we are watching is 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 uh, not sinful. Uh, but just entertainment and, and things like that. But when it comes to fasting, we try to limit those shows that we watch in favor or we replace it with sermons. And like listening, like we are on the phone talking to our friends and, and fruitless conversations. But we replace all those conversations with mazmur, right? And, and, and that's kind of the idea of fasting in the church circle is really to to excite and, 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 and that that spiritual life to strengthen it. And the way that you do that is by feeding it spiritual food. That is the period of fasting. That is the reason why we fast, which is uh, actually bringing me to the next point, which is fasting is a practice that involves your entire body and it's being forgotten about. Most people in the Ethiopian tradition and the Eritrean tradition, we often focus too much on just the food aspect. You know, people debate, oh, this has milk in it and read the ingredients and, and oh, can we eat Oreos and what do we do here and what do we do there? But all these conversations are missing the point and the point being that our entire body ought to be fasting. Food is just one element of it. In fact, St. Yared reminds us that the five senses are working together to fast, meaning all the five senses are being uh, um, restricted from the things that are permissible. So, for example, instead of walking to your friend's house, walk over to the church and do a prayer. Instead of picking up a secular book, pick up the Bible and read, right? So this is kind of the idea of fasting. When they all come together, fasting could be a beautiful thing. Fasting could be a beautiful thing. Again, we are forgetting what fasting really looks like. And I think that's the second reason why people struggle with it. The first being, like I said earlier, we have branded it incorrectly. Fasting is not enjoyable. Fasting is meant to be weakening your body. That's what fasting is. Uh, the second reason why I think people struggle with it is because people haven't seen the true form of fasting. Um, for example, one of the practices of fasting, as we learn in the church, is you uh, forget uh, or you um, you skip a breakfast. And instead of uh, eating breakfast, you're supposed to uh, give it to the poor. And I remember I was talking to a friend and I said, I was telling him, you know, when you're fasting, the church teaches us to skip breakfast. And then he said, why does the church torture the people and i said wait, 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 wait the church is not torturing the people what's happening is uh the idea of the true true form of fasting is supposed to be that you wake up like you would any other day and prepare your breakfast but instead of eating it you give it to those who are in need and i've been fortunate enough to witness this in the monastery uh, when I was in Debra Limanos and when I spent my time there, I remember I was I was a witness to this. People from the city would come and they would really give the breakfast to the people who were in need. And this is how fasting ought to be. But of course, we're forgetting about it in the West. And the more we forget about it, the more we, we're asking questions like, what is the need to fast? Why do we have to fast? And this is why it's important. When we fasting is done correctly, it is a beautiful thing. Now, people can sign up for that and they understand the need for that, but then they ask a simple question. Okay, fasting is cool. Fasting is good. I get it. But why the need to announce it to the world? 
Why the need to announce it to the world? In fact, they say, in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, didn't Jesus say the following? And when you fast, don't make it obvious as hypocrites. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. So people raise this first and they say, but the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, they, they openly say, I'm fasting, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. But the, the Bible specifically tells us that, that we must do it privately. So why announce it in public? Here's the thing. When we read the Bible, we have to read the Bible in its entirety. We can't just pick and choose the verses that are fitting for our arguments. We have to read the whole chapter, the whole Bible in its entirety. And in fact, in that chapter, Matthew chapter 6, if we started reading from verse 5, we find the following verse. It says, when you pray, verse 16 is talking about fasting. Verse 5 is talking about prayer. It's just the following. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and the synagogues where they, everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. So here's my question. If if fasting, if, if we read a verse that's telling us, so fast privately, does this mean that we only can pray privately? So that means that we should never go to a group prayer. We should never attend public events. We should stop going to church and praying because that means all of this stuff is wrong. But if we read the Bible, we find that the disciples pray together often. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 14, after the ascension of Christ, uh, we find the following verse. It says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. United in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brother of Jesus. United in prayer. So what does this mean? Did the disciples disobey God's command? No. No, we can't say that. We have to understand what Jesus was saying in the verse 5 when he's talking about prayer or the verse where he's talking about fasting that's mainly he's criticizing the motive behind prayer or the motive behind fasting that is to say if someone is going to public areas for the purposes of being seen or recognized that is wrong but the very act of praying in in uh, as a unit is encouraged the problem is not praying together or or having a, a prayer as a group the problem is praying so that people will see you praying. Same thing is true for our fasting. The disciples fasted together. It says in the book of Acts chapter 3, 13 verse 2, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and then it says that the Holy Spirit told them the following things. Um, so the point is they were fasting together, right? That means it was announced. So people knew about it. They weren't doing it privately. They were just announced. The idea is again, there is a difference between fasting so that people will see you and think that you're holy versus just fasting as a group. And in fact, this is exactly what our church teaches. There are two types of fasting. One is a personal fast that you do privately. You don't announce it. You don't tell people about it. You just go and you, you fast. And people can do a personal fast for various reasons. You can do it when you're going through hardship. It might be something that you've arranged with your confession father. But when you do it, you do it by yourself, right? You don't announce it. The second one is announced by the church as canonized. So there's nothing to show off. In fact, the faithful, the members of the church are expected to absorb, observe, 
observe the, the fasting. They expected to observe the fasting. So for this reason, there's nothing to show off. It's like the disciples fasting together. Now the Christians, the members of the church, fast together. Again, logically speaking, because it is announced, it's impossible to make it private. Now, among the announced fasting, what we call the canonized fasting, it's broken down into two subgroups, the major and the minor fasts. The minor is, is, is not expected uh, to be obs observed by everyone. Uh, this is like, it's a gay zone, right? So like, it's like for a lack of a better term, it's like optional. So people can fast if they want to, but they don't have to. Then we have the major fast. And this is the major fast. And there are some of, seven of them because mainly you are expected to observe the fast and participate in it because um, the church has decreed it as for her children, for the, the mothers, the, the church is the mother and we are her children. So it, it's decreed, it's announced, it's known just like the disciples, the ideas that we fast together. Now, again, the fasting, each one of the fasts become th that much more beneficial if we can understand the objective behind the fasting. And people don't understand this, but each one of the seven fasts has an objective. And we're going to talk about it uh, briefly here today. And, 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 and the goal is when you're fasting, some people say like, for example, oh, I don't fast this one because it's the fast of, of the priests. Well, there is no such thing as the fast of the priests. Uh, so if we understand the goal and the purpose of the fast, each one has a goal and a purpose, then I think it will be more beneficial. So the first one that we encounter, a lot of people don't really know it, but it's called Soma Gahad from the Ethiopic Gahada, which roughly translates into to reveal, to reveal. And this is the fast where when our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ was being baptized, the triune nature of God was revealed, of course, from heaven. The heavens opened up and we heard the voice of God, the Father, the, the Holy Spirit came in the image of a dove. And of course, Jesus Christ was there. So the triune nature of God was revealed to mankind. And this fast, Omega oh God, is actually fasted a day before Theophany, that is Timka, to the baptism of Christ. So when we're fasting on this day, we are praying it to God in the hope that we too can can understand the triune nature of God. We pray that it, it, it that the same way that the triune nature of God was revealed to mankind when Christ was being baptized, we pray that it, it too will be revealed to us through prayer and fasting. So that's the idea of Tzoma Gahad. The next one we encounter is called Tzoma Nenewe, Tzoma Nenewe, Fast of Nenewe. And as we've talked about before, this commemorates Jonah's plea to the people of Nenewe to fast and ask for repentance before God destroys their land. This is an important fast, especially for this time, because this is the fast where we recognize the need for a nation to pray and fast together for the current problems that it is facing. This is extremely important. If you guys are aware of all the tragic things that are happening in our nation, our country, this is the time to recognize fasts like Tzoma Nenewe. The next one we encounter is Abiy Yitzom from the Ethiopic Abia, the paramount, the great Lent. So uh, Abiy Yitzom really commemorates the life of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. It's, it's called great for that reason. And this is the fast that our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ himself fasted. And each one of the week, and it's special compared to all the other fasts, because each week highlights a portion of his life, and really, uh, there's a theme behind it. And every single week has a theme. Uh, the first one is called Zawarada, literally translates into the one who came down. 
and, and, and puts Jesus at the center focus of our worship. And we discuss about the fact that he came here to save us. He is the one, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the one who came down. And he is the same one that's going to be crucified and give us salvation. Uh, that's the first week. The second week is called Adist from the Ethiopic, Adessa, which literally means to make holy. And we ask a simple question here. Christ is holy. How can we be holy like him? The third week that we look at is Muk. And it commemorates Jesus' entry into the synagogue and how he removed all the things that didn't belong there. This is the week where we ask ourselves, let us, uh, or how can we remove all the sinful nature that is within our heart? How can we remove the hatred that is in our heart? How can we remove all of the, the divisions and all of this like wickedness that we have in our heart? This is the week that we say we need to remove it. The, th- the next week we encounter is called Mezagwe from the Ethiopic Amezgua. Literally, the one who is sick. And it commemorates the man who was sick for over 38 years. And our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ came to him and asked him, Do you want to be made well? That is the question that's posed to us this week. Do you want to be made well? Do you really want to be Christ? Do you want to be with Christ? And if you do, are you willing to do what it takes to change your life around? The next week we encounter is Deborah Zayt. Of course, this is also a celebration. As much as it is a time of mourning on the Mount of Olives, Jesus warns the listeners about the end of times. Let this serve as a warning for mankind. Jesus is coming. Are you prepared to receive him? The next week we encounter is called Gabr Her, literally a faithful servant. Oftentimes, the faithful servant is contrasted with Gabr Hakai, the 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 lazy servant rather from the Ethiopic Hakaya to be lazy. The faithful servant invested the talents uh, that was given to him, whereas the lazy servant squandered it. He didn't do anything with the talent that he was given. So. The question this week is, you have a talent that God gave you. What are you doing with it? Are you wasting it? You have a gift. There is a reason why God has created you. What are you doing with your life? The next week we encounter is called Nicodemus. Now, remember, he was a member of the Sanhedrin and he was an educated Jewish scholar. He was a night student of Jesus. and He learned about baptism and how... It is only with the spirit and the water that someone can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born from the spirit and the water, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. The last week we encounter is called Hosanna. Hosanna means medicine. And many followers of Jesus welcome Jesus saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. This is, of course, uh, a big celebration with our church. The sad thing is the same people that have uh, welcomed Jesus singing Hosanna, be our king, be our master, are the same ones who are responsible for his crucifixion. We ask ourselves this week, um, how are we any different? We claim one week that we love Jesus and we want him to be our king, but soon after we go against his will and, and, and we sin. And this is the kind of the idea of, of uh, Abi's almost Great Lent. The next fast that we encounter is called Somahawariat and commemorates the fact that the disciples fasted before starting their mission into this world and expanding Christianity. The same way we recognize that we, like the apostles, are disciples and we must first 
fast before starting our ministry into the world to be ambassadors of Christ. The next fast we encounter is called Tzoma Filseta. Tzoma Filseta. And this is the fast that most people are aware of. It's the fast about the Virgin Mary. And it commemorates how the Virgin Mary's body was assumed into the heaven uh, upon her death. And this is perhaps the time where a lot of people fast and ask the Virgin Mary and request special needs that they have to their mother. Uh, the next fast that we encounter is called Omenebiat, and this commemorates the fact that all of the prophets fasted in preparation to receive Christ for his birthday, the same way that we should fast the Advent fast to before Christmas, Ganna, to receive Christ. Um, the last one, of course, many people are aware of is Omedinet, most commonly known as the Wednesday and Friday fast. And this is uh, where Wednesday is the day where Judas betrayed Christ. And Friday is the day, uh, of course, uh, where our Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ was crucified. So we fast on Wednesday, not only to commemorate the betrayal, but to ensure we're not like Judas kissing him one day and betraying him the next. Uh, Friday, of course, is uh, the day of remembering the great passion of Christ. So these are the fasts of, of the church. And each time that we fast, we should fast in a way to remember the objective of the fasting. If we're not doing this, I fear that we are missing the purpose. I'm going to touch up on one quick thing before I finish, because I feel like this is a question that comes up a lot. What do we do with fish? Don't eat fish. And, and, and what do we do with fish? What do we do with fish? So <laughs> this is a question. Throughout this time, we've been talking about the need to weaken the flesh. Now, I'm not going to get into this. And, and you know, priest so-and-so said this, but I've heard from so-and-so said this. The simple answer, if you're really asking about the question of fish is, think about the purpose of fasting. The purpose of fasting is to weaken your body. If it's the idea is to weaken your body, then we should lean towards abstinence, right? The, the whole thing about fasting is staying away from food. So if the, the debate is about do we stay away from fasting or do we or or do we stay away from fish or do we get close to it? The answer is stay away from it because again, that's the the goal of fasting. We honestly have a lot of food to eat. We don't have like problem like fish is not the only thing that's available to us especially out here in the west so like you know let's let's get away from all these like i think discussions that are really not helpful for our spiritual life there are so many things that we could eat and thank god for that so for this reason i think we, we should kill the debate of fish let it go it's not that important the purpose of fasting is to weaken the body let's find out ways to do that and strengthen our spiritual life of course the challenge for this week is to try one fast that you haven't tried before, but fast it the correct way according to the objectives that's outlined in a book. And remember, to get the full effect of the fast, you must really, really like be in tune with what's happening. So try one fast that you haven't done already. If you're already fasting, um, good for you, and, and try to encourage somebody to fast. Um, and, and that way you could teach them about the true faith of our church. With that being said, I hope, I hope you've learned something and God willing, we'll come back again next week to go over the next chapter within the book. I hope you're reading along. I hope you're following along. God bless. And we'll see you next week. Wassalamualaikum.